0: Hello and welcome to the Blessed Life Podcast, where we explore together how to live in the promises of Jesus. I'm Pastor Eric, Discipleship Pastor at New Life Lutheran Church. Thanks for listening today. Today we are continuing to explore the book of Colossians. Remember way back when we started this series, we determined that discipleship is living in and inhabiting the new kingdom, the kingdom of of God. And discipleship is walking hand in hand and arm in arm as we live in and inhabit this new environment, this new world that we are in, that we have been rescued by Jesus from the reign of darkness and placed in the kingdom of the beloved Son. We are placed in the kingdom of Jesus. And there are so many blessings and there is so much goodness that comes from living in this kingdom. And we know that God speaks to us in two primary ways. He speaks to us through commands, and uh, these commands, they help us know what he wants, and they also help us know uh, that we cannot measure up to what he expects of us. We cannot measure up to the kingdom of his beloved son, but then he also speaks to us in promises, and by his promises, he actually gives us the Holy Spirit and empowers us to do the things that he has called us to do and empowers us to live in this new kingdom. And so what we are exploring as we talk about discipleship is living in these promises, living in these blessings, living in the gospel that God has given us. All of these wonderful promises, we get to inhabit them, and we get to dwell in them, and we get to learn from them, and get to grow in them. And what we identified through Colossians is that there are four Kind of main categories of these promises there's confidence which we just talked about the last couple of weeks there's discipline there's health and there's purpose and so this week and next week we're going to we are going to focus on discipline we're going to talk about what discipline we receive by the Holy Spirit when we inhabit and live in the promises of God and in order to do that well we're going to first look at again this, book of Colossians. And specifically, we're going to look at Colossians 2. Colossians 2 is a great chapter in this work that uh, Colossians 3 is all about these r- the richness of these promises. And Colossians 3 has a lot of really wonderful language uh, about the Christian life and those kinds of things. Colossians 2, Paul is dealing with some of the specific issues that are going on at the church in Colossae. And so as we read through Colossians 2, it's easy for us to Uh, think that this maybe doesn't necessarily have to do with us right now, or we kind of read, we kind of gloss over it because uh, Paul's dealing with some specific issues, some false teachings that are going on in Colossae. But there are a couple of things that I want us to kind of cling on to when it comes to chapter two and how it reflects on the Christian life. The first one is that Paul starts off this chapter saying, for I want you to know, I want the church in Colossae to know how much I am struggling for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face. So he starts off by talking about the struggle that Paul is going through, that he is going through, that Paul is struggling for the believers. And I think that this word struggle is is a good word for us to hold on to and put in our pocket as we talk about discipline, And the Christian life, because really, when we talk about discipline, what we are entering into is this realm of struggle and battle within ourselves. So, one of the base realities of the Christian life is that the Christian life is a life of struggle, that the Christian life fundamentally is this battle between the devil who wants to lie to us and tell us that we're not enough and tell us that we're failures and uh, tell us that we will never get better. And God, who is speaking words of life to us and giving us his Holy Spirit, calling us his children, calling us his beloved, reminding us of the things that he has done for us in the scripture. And our minds are this battlefield where we're constantly hearing these lies along with these truths. And oftentimes we begin to listen to the lies and not to the truth. But really fundamentally, what we have to do is listen to the truths. We have to listen to the gospel that God has proclaimed to us, and that's the struggle. The struggle is listening to God and what He has said about us, and that's exactly what Paul talks about here in Colossians two, because he actually tells the believers in Colossae to struggle. Maybe not specifically, um, and maybe not in not maybe not in so many words, but but all the things that he tells the Colossians to do have to do with this kind of struggle in our mind. In verse eight of chapter two, he says this to the Colossians see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the universe and not according to Christ. So in chapter two, there's not a lot that, that the readers are told to do. There's only a handful of things that they are told to do. And each time they're told to do something like this, it's, it's see to it that no one takes you captive. So it's not necessarily all this long laundry list of things that they have to do to be disciplined, but it's simply Paul saying, look, you have to struggle and you have to fight against these lies. You have to fight against these philosophies and this empty deceit that are coming into your mind through these false teachers. See to it that no one takes you captive. Struggle against these teachings that uh, these false leaders are giving in the church don't be swayed by human tradition. Don't be swayed by these spirits of the universe, but instead be swayed by Christ. And we hear a similar thing in verse 16. Paul writes, therefore do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink or of observing festivals, new moons or Sabbath. So again, he says here that Christ has done something to us. And right before Uh, This passage, he talks about the work of Christ um, and that Christ gives us his work in baptism. And he says, you've already been accepted. God has accepted you in Christ. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you. Don't let someone else tell you something that's not true about yourself. Don't let someone else tell you that you are not saved because Christ has marked you. Christ has said you are mine. Christ has saved you. And so he's encouraging these Colossian believers to struggle against the lies, to fight in their mind against these lies that they're hearing, both in verse 8 and in verse 16. And this is the basic thing that we have to understand, is that as we walk through our lives, as we go throughout our lives, our minds are going to be a battlefield where there are lies. The world, the flesh, and the devil are telling us lies, and God is telling us truth. And we have to struggle against the lies, and we have to cling on to the truth that God has given us. This is going to be the day-to-day struggle, the day-to-day battle that we enter into is trusting in God and refusing to trust in the lies that our own bodies, our insecurities tell us, that we need certain things, that we want certain things, that the world tells us, that our culture tells us about what we need to be happy or what we need to be blessed, all the things that we have to do to be better parents and workers and all this stuff. And also what the devil tells us, that, um, that we are not beloved, that we need to uh, work harder and do more. These types of things that creep in and cause shame in our life. God has not given us those things. Instead, he gives us the gospel. You are my child. He calls us his children, and we are saved by the work of Jesus Christ, not through our own power or through our own strength. And so discipline then is the name of the game for the believer because we have to be disciplined in order to fight against these spiritual powers we have to be disciplined in order to fight against these uh, false teachings and these lies that we're hearing from the world from our own flesh and from the devil so that's where that discipline comes in is discipline has to do with fighting against those lies and clinging on to the truth and the primary way that we struggle through this the primary way that we fight this um, is through prayer prayer is uh, really the primary reality of the the believer prayer has to be something that we engage in um, and really you can't be a christian without prayer you can't be in Christ without prayer because prayer is the way that we're connected with God now before we jump into prayer I do want to um, let you know a little bit of background about prayer, is that if you are a parent, if you've raised children, you know that this is true, that children learn how to talk by being talked to. So my two sons are developing their language, not necessarily through books, through dictionaries, through school, because they're not in school, uh, but instead they learn words by talking to us by, and by being talked to. So my two-year-old son is learning all sorts of new words day to day, in fact, just the other day, he used the word mastodon because we have this little toy mastodon, this little stuffed animal. Uh, that's kind of like a mammoth thing, an extinct mammoth. And uh, he used that word. And my wife and I have never taught him that word, but we have called that thing mastodon. And we have talked about that mastodon. And he has just absorbed that. And then he started using that word this weekend without us really ever teaching him. Uh, because children, they learn by being spoken to and by hearing the voice of their parents. Prayer is the way that we speak to God and we learn how to speak to God by letting him speak to us first. So prayer is always a response to God. You can't really pray without first hearing God's voice, without first hearing the gospel, without first hearing the scripture. So we're going to talk about scripture here in a little bit. I wanted to talk about prayer first because of how central it is to struggle, but we're going to talk about scripture first. But this whole conversation of prayer has to be a response to scripture. So we're going to talk about scripture here in a little bit. But after Paul talks about in chapter two, all these things going on, after he tells the Colossians, hey, this is what Jesus has done for you. Um, therefore don't let your mind be captive to these things. Make sure you fight against these things. Don't fall into these empty deceits. Don't let other people condemn you struggle against these lies that you're hearing. He says this at the beginning of chapter three, this is verse one. So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. So the primary way that we struggle against these lies, against the lies of the world, our flesh, and the devil, is by setting our mind on Christ, setting our mind on things above. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. We have to set our minds, which is what prayer is, is attending to God and speaking to him. And so Paul struggles in chapter 2, verse 1, but his struggle is not against Flesh and blood. It's not against these actual, it's not like he's going to war picking up a sword against people. His battle is actually in the realm of spirit, of ideas, and of spiritual realities. And in Ephesians, which Ephesians and Colossians are closely related, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writes this For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, Against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms, uh, in Paul, in Paul's writings, and in the biblical worldview, there are spiritual forces behind worldly kingdoms. So, from a Jewish worldview, from a biblical worldview, there are actually the the rulers and authorities of this world are not simply. Physical rulers and authorities, but are actually also spiritual rulers and authorities. And uh, these things can be um, quite evil. Some of these uh, spiritual authorities that are behind even human governments can be quite evil. And he says that our our battle is not against humans; it's not against physical things, but it's actually in that realm of spirit. It's a, it's against the rulers and authorities, the spiritual beings behind. Uh, human rulers and human authorities and against the powers of darkness and against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. That our enemies are not in the physical world, but actually in the spiritual world and in the realm of ideas. Even our flesh and blood enemies, people who want to hurt us, are not necessarily enemies in the physical, but actually enemies in the spiritual. So the struggle that happens in prayer and in our life is in our mind and in our spirit. And prayer is a primary way that we fight. This is setting our minds on things above by speaking to God after he has spoken to us. And so the devil, our flesh and the world, they try to pull us away from Jesus. They try to use cravings and desires to trick us Uh, just like the enemy did, just like the snake did in Genesis uh, chapter three. So we struggle against him in prayer by focusing and putting our minds on Christ, on the things above. And so prayer happens in our minds and in our spirits, and prayer is how we set our minds on things above. And prayer, of course, is a response to scripture. So scripture is actually what God uses to tell us about the things that are above. So just like in this first verse of chapter 3, so if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. Raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. And the ways that we learn how we've been raised with Christ, the way that we learn what God has done for us, the way that we learn about who God is and what he has done is through the scriptures. And so we set our minds on the scriptures, which then set our minds on Christ. Toward the midpoint of chapter three, Paul gives this um, this encouragement, this uh, command to the Colossian believers in verse 16 of chapter three. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. So one of the primary ways, the primary way that we set our minds on things above is letting this word of Christ, letting the word of God dwell in us richly by reading the scriptures, by hearing the scriptures, by attending worship services every weekend and hearing the sermon, listening to uh, the scripture being read out loud, singing songs. That have scripture woven throughout them uh, letting those songs form and shape us letting the scripture form and shape us hearing the word of god through confession and forgiveness through the sacraments and through all those things we hear god's word and we learn and we practice what god has done for us and those are actually things that he equips us with in order to struggle in order to battle against the devil the flesh and the world, because you will not be able to fight against the lies of the devil if you do not know the truths that God has given us. And so we find that in the scripture. The scriptures are the story of who God is and how he has saved us. And so we ingest all of scripture, not just a little bit here and there, not these little quotes that we hang up on our wall or those types of things, but we ingest all of scripture, the Old Testament and the New Testament, because we learn about who God is. We learn that this is a God who is patient. Just as the Psalms repeat again and again, the Lord is gracious. He's slow to anger. He's rich in love, and he's good to us. He is so good to us. And that's what we learn in Scripture. We read the Old Testament, and we hear about these, uh, these characters, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Solomon, all these characters who again and again and again fail God, and betray God. And yet God is patient with them. We hear about the Israelites in Moses' time who betray God and forget God and look to others again and again. And yet God is patient with them. All throughout the scriptures, that's what these stories are about. And the prophets in the Old Testament are about God's goodness and graciousness, his patience with these people, and this continual offer of repentance. And finally, all of that is Uh, is consumed in Jesus, that Jesus is the full representation of God, that everything that God does, Jesus does, and everything that Jesus does, God does, and they are in complete agreement with each other. So when we look at Jesus, we are actually looking at God. When we see Jesus act, we are actually seeing God act. And we learn about all the implications of Jesus throughout the rest of the New Testament in the letters. Paul and the other writers, they unpack all of those things that Jesus has done and what it means for us. And so everything in the scripture points to Jesus and gets us to the person and work of Jesus of Nazareth, who is the Christ, who is the son of God. And if we aren't reading the scriptures and ingesting the scriptures, we don't we are not equipped with those truths. We don't hear the gospel. We don't hear Jesus. We actually are unable to receive Jesus outside of his word. And so we need the word we need the scriptures in order to tell us about God and what he has done and i know many of you are uh, at this point you have tried to read your bible you've struggled with reading your bible and there are some tools that we have that can actually help us read the bible better and i want to point you to a couple the first one is i want to encourage you that the bible is meant to be read over a lifetime and it's meant to be read uh, and reflected on and dwelt in um, over time. So don't feel pressure to read a whole bunch of it really fast or read a whole bunch of it um, all at once because it's not really how it's designed to be read. It's designed to be ingested in uh, these like shorter, like two to three chapters at a time. That's kind of how long these stories are. Uh, that's how long some of the major movements of Scripture are. It's really only a few pages at a time. Are we, are we you know, ought, should we, only really a few pages at a time really need to be read at one time. So on the app, on the New Life Lutheran app, there's actually a two year Bible reading plan that you can take two years to read the entire scripture. There are lots of one year Bible reading plans that are really great. Uh, A good one is through an app called the Read Scripture app, and that includes videos that are fantastic from an organization called the Bible Project that help you kind of get the lay of the land of the scripture. Uh, in the New Life Lutheran app, we will have a one-year Bible reading plan coming out soon. And, uh, and in both the one-year and the two-year reading plan, it is encouraged that you, that you watch the Bible Project video. Uh, that organization does a great job. So I want you to use the Bible Project. You can also just find their videos on YouTube or at thebibleproject.com. You can find their videos. Um, but that'll actually help you read through the scriptures over a year or over two years. And soon we're going to have more reading plans as well, reading through the Gospels over a short amount of time, some Old Testament reading plans, that kind of stuff. So I want you to be aware of that in the New Life Lutheran app, but in the short term, there are a couple options. There's a two-year Bible reading plan in the app, and there's also a one-year Bible reading plan through the Read Scripture app that are both fantastic. And I uh, suggest and encourage you Uh, to go and just begin reading. Just start reading, and uh, it's going to be a lot. It's going to be hard to understand at first, but you you are meant to be reading it over a lifetime, not all at once or not cramming it in as fast as you can. This isn't a diet culture. This isn't a, a fad. This is something that we need to be doing over time. Now, there are some of you that may not feel comfortable reading. Maybe you don't like to read, or maybe you just have a hard time reading. Maybe you have dyslexia or some other... Uh, learning disorder that doesn't allow you to read as well as you would like or even as well as you really need to to be able to understand the scripture. Uh, Scripture was actually designed and written to be read out loud because really until uh, the Gutenberg printing press in the late Middle Ages, no one read anyway. There were very, very few people who were able to read And so everything was written in order to be read out loud, and that's the primary way that Christians across the world, across the ages, have ingested scripture, is through hearing, not necessarily through reading. So the Bible is actually meant to be heard, and I think it's actually better when it's heard. So if you do not like reading, you can find audio Bibles all over the place. Um, There are some audio Bibles that you can listen to from streaming services like Spotify or Um, iTunes, Apple Music, that kind of thing. You also can buy audio Bibles and download them on your phone. You can do those types of things. So if you want to find an audio Bible, you can follow the reading plan, but listen to it instead of reading it. And that way you can listen to it while you're running or while you're exercising or while you're driving, those types of things. You can actually be listening and ingesting the scripture. So that is another way that you can be hearing the scripture and can be meditating on it and having the word of Christ dwell in you. Uh, that is just as good, if not better than sitting down and reading it. So how do we get started? First of all, just make time, make time for it. Get up 10 minutes earlier, go to bed 10 minutes later, just make time and start with scripture. Read the Bible following the reading plan on the app or the Read Scripture app. Listen to it on Spotify or Apple Music, iTunes, wherever you can find it or purchase and download an audio Bible. And be on the lookout for how God is moving in your life. And then pray. Make time for prayer. Respond to God using the Psalms. Um, or just thanking him for what he has done, ask him for wisdom, ask him for guidance. Uh, Many of my prayers are very short. Many of my prayers are just throughout my day. Um, Very rarely do I sit down for half an hour at a time and pray. Most of the time as things come up or as I remember or as I have scheduled in my day, I just spend a few minutes in prayer asking about a particular thing, um, asking for wisdom about something or asking uh, God to uh, give his grace in particular ways. And most of the time when I pray, it's actually just mostly thanksgiving. And it's mostly just thanking God for what he has done and, uh, and asking him to continue to do that work in me. So prayer is a response to God that you don't even really need to set aside half an hour at a time to do it. But just make time in your day, little bits of time, Before you start a task, say a prayer. Before you have your meal, say a prayer. Before you go to bed, say a prayer. Just those little times throughout your days, make that time. Maybe it's right before you leave to go to work. Say a prayer in your car. It can be a simple prayer. It can be a quick prayer, uh, but it's a response to what God is doing. Thank you, God, for what you have done through this and that. Thank you, God, for the scripture that I read this morning or that I'm hearing this morning. Be with me as I go throughout my day. Ask him for wisdom about specific situations and, and pray big about them. Ask him for success and guidance through your life. So the Christian life is struggle. The Christian life is a battle in your mind against the devil, against the world and against our own flesh. And the way that we battle is setting our minds on things above through scripture and through prayer. And our battle is in the spirit which is why prayer is so important because it's in our mind. And so we rest our minds on the scripture and we listen to it and hear it and read it often. And then we respond in prayer. That is the first part of discipline in the Holy Spirit. When have you felt that you are not enough Not smart enough, not strong enough, not able. When have you felt ashamed because of something that you have done or said? How is the shame and guilt that we experience in this way different than the promises of God? How does setting our mind on things above through scripture and prayer combat and fight against the lies of the devil, our flesh, and the world?